Well, good afternoon, church. Uh, we just heard another great sermon from Psalms from uh, Pastor Daniel Hurd. Uh, today he was in Psalm 3, so we did Psalm 1, Psalm 2. We're going right through the Psalms. Uh, Tim, what, what stood out to you about today's sermon? In considering uh, our lives, and David was an illustration of this, uh, in the midst of overwhelming trouble, and it was trouble that was brought about basically by his sin. He had this overwhelming trouble in his life, and yet a faith and a confidence in what God had promised him produced this confidence in God was going to deliver him. So that was great hope for me. That really stood out for me. Of course, he repented of his sin, but still, um, you know. Yeah. Dan, you want to? Yeah, take I'd a be shot? happy to. Uh, <laughs> I, I was not in the, the, the service day because I was in the children's ministry um, uh, because that's important. And I, just a little quick plug here for uh, if, if you're a member here um, and you're looking for a way to serve the Lord in gospel ministry, please volunteer to serve in children's ministry. It's a great way to teach the gospel. Um, but uh, yeah, I was glad to hear Daniel was uh, preaching the word today and uh, happy to, to. I'm looking forward to, to either watching or listening to. Uh, the sermon today, either on YouTube or on our podcast, which you can find on all podcast services. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said. I, I love the way uh, we don't always get the, the luxury of knowing the backstory of every single psalm. Mm. And I just love that, that we knew what happened. I just happened to have, have just read that story in um, uh, just a few weeks ago. So I kind of knew the backstory, knew what was going on. And, and I love that he t- did an overview of that to help us understand it. Um, so in Psalm 3, David is in, in the midst of, of some deep distress. He has but th- this tremendous peace about him, this, this confidence. Uh, and we might call that assurance or, or like a gospel confidence. So what, what does gospel confidence um, look like in the life of a, of a Christian? Yeah, well, one of the things, it's not arrogance. And it's certainly not just uh, raw self-sufficiency, like I've got this. Um, uh, I love how Paul talks about having humility and yet having boldness. Mm. That's not a contradiction. That's the kind of meekness that Christ exemplified and that he taught uh, his followers uh, is that we can have confidence that God has a plan, that he has some way that he can use us, even if we don't always know exactly how. And we know that the, the difficulties that come into our life are part of God's sovereign plan. And he's got a good purpose in behind everything that we go through, even if we don't always understand exactly what that is this side of heaven. Um, and so um, the, I'm sure uh, Daniel uh, preached from the Psalms a, a truth that is throughout the scriptures um, that we can have gospel confidence in God, even though we can also be honest uh, when we suffer and when we grieve um, and when we uh, face difficult decisions and the stresses of life. Yeah. A verse that came to mind when I was considering this and thinking about it even this morning is that confidence comes, faith in God, but it's not a faith that is based on uh, just our feelings. It is based on the confidence in his word and his word. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that he who hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. He is going to do that. Romans 8.31, if God be for us, who can be against us? Now that gives confidence, not in ourselves, Mm. in him and his promises. And uh, that's what stood out, uh, certainly in this gospel confidence, if you will, and the reliance on the promises of God. I love that he he, uh, mentioned the promise that God made 
to Abraham. Yes. Uh, and talking about how he, he promised Abraham that even if, if Abraham broke the covenant, God would not break his covenant yep. with Abraham. That song, uh, uh, He Will Hold Me Fast, comes to mind mm. when I hear that. Um, that sort of confidence, knowing that our salvation is not in our hands. Um, if, if, if we could lose it, we would, and, but God will not yeah. allow us to lose it. Absolutely. Um, so Psalm 3, uh, toward the end, says that salvation belongs to the Lord. So why is it that, that our culture has such a hard time uh, grasping this notion that salvation belongs to the Lord? Yeah. We are self-reliant. We are taught to be self-reliant, even though that's an illusion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is an awful illusion. And we, uh, uh, we don't recognize who God is. And Romans 1 talks about that. If we don't acknowledge God for who He is and what He's done, then He gives us over to. And we have this then delusion that we are God. We have this delusion that we are in ourselves reliant. And, and our culture today, all cultures, I, I guess, deal with this. But our culture here, and it's kind of tragic here because of the beginnings of, let's say, our culture here with the Judeo-Christian ethic, if you will. And we've fallen so far from that. How many generations does it take to teach our children that we have descended from apes, that we're a product of evolutionary chance, to where they don't even acknowledge that there is a God? And so it's... Uh, that's the reason we have trouble with that. And what's really troubling is when the church has trouble with it, or mm -hmm. the professing church has trouble with it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean that that, that self-sufficiency that that's such a big. Even if uh, it's not some specific sin that causes someone to reject Jesus, often it's just that feeling of like, no, I want to be able to do it myself. Whether that's through mm -hmm. good works or just not wanting to acknowledge God because they want to have this myth that they are completely self-sufficient. The other aspect of that too is it's the, the exclusivity of Christ. Salvation yeah. is of the Lord, only of the God of Israel, the God who has revealed himself fully through Jesus Christ and says that Jesus is the only way. Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one man comes to the Father but by me in John 14, 6. And that is offensive, especially in our culture. It's always been offensive, but especially in, in more modern culture that you might say postmodern, relativistic, where people don't want... Uh, they're selective, honestly, uh, about what they don't want there to be any right and wrong, except in certain areas they acknowledge they've got to have right and wrong. But things like this, they want it to be all, all gray. And, and the, the, the message of Christianity is of love through Christ, but it's also uh, firm in saying he is the only way. This is the only way. So not only do you have to humble yourself and acknowledge your need, that your greatest need is that you need forgiveness of sins, but you also need to realize that the only way that you can have that need met is through Jesus, not through your own self-effort, not through some other religion or teaching or up-by-your-bootstraps philosophy. Um, and that is humbling. And, uh, and uh, down deep, the, the greatest offense of the gospel is that it wounds our pride, thinking that we, we're not sufficient in and of ourselves. Yeah. You know, we're looking at uh, restricted access nations in our uh, seminar that we're doing. And... One of the countries we're going to be looking at next week is the uh, nation of India and how that even though it is not closed, if you will, like say North Korea, and they are willing to have people come in and present Christianity in some places as long as it's not produced exclusively. Mm. As long as it, the verse says, neither, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none under the name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. 
that won't fly. Yeah. It can be one of many, yeah. not the only one. And, and yeah, we're happy right to put on. Jesus on the shelf with our other gods. But exactly. you say like, oh, he's the only way? Ooh, now we got problems. Yep. Yeah. And our culture is, is continually becoming more oh, yeah. like that, more... more uh, we're violently, uh, into we're intolerantly tolerant. Yes. yes. Uh, and and to, to kind of pull together the thoughts that y'all both have said, uh, the, the offense of that, I think this, because you said that, um, that even a lot of churches now yeah. are, uh, are having a hard time yes. with this notion that, that salvation belongs to the Lord. So they might preach it, but they don't, uh, in, in the policies of the church, especially things like the Catholic Church, and, but even a lot of Protestant uh, denominations that sort of uh, in practice have a works-based uh, um, salvation. Uh, and, and I do think that when we, because it is so offensive, like you said, as churches begin to compromise on some things to try and be a little bit more appealing, uh, this is one of the first places where uh, churches that used to be solid in their teaching start to, to make compromises on the gospel. They start to introduce other ways for you to be saved uh, besides through, through um, Christ alone. Mm -hmm. um, so the last question, the, Psalm 3 is essentially a, 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 a long prayer from, from David. Um, so what do the Psalms, and this Psalm in particular, teach us uh, about prayer? Uh, well, I didn't get to hear Sorry. the sermon, but uh, just I, I did have the advantage of Daniel and I were chatting a little bit um, during the, the seminar time this morning about his upcoming sermon. And so he mentioned how prayer was one of the applications there. And it's important to realize that prayer, um, it's not a cure-all for anxiety, but it is one of God's... Um, uh, prescriptions for that. Uh, Peter says, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. There should be some sort of peace that comes from praying. And I was just chatting with Daniel this morning about how you know, a, a sovereign God is going to do his good pleasure no matter what. And he, but he commands us to pray, and not just for his glory, but he is glorified by our prayer, not just for our own benefit and peace of mind, but that's part of it, uh, not just because it's the right thing to do. The sovereign God tells us that prayer works. Mm. And here is this amazing ministry that we often just minimize or we don't have time for, um, uh, which is why I try to have some systematic aspects in my own prayer time. That there, these are some things I want to pray for daily, weekly, monthly, even quarterly. Uh, some things, I, and, th and this is an important time. If I have to get up extra early so I can spend some time in prayer, this is a ministry. This isn't just for my benefit. Um, and when, when we realize that we can cooperate in God's uh, building his kingdom, that, that gives us a sense of purpose. And then there is a, that sense of relief from anxiety that comes that from knowing, listen, I've, I've done everything I know that's uh, uh, wise to do in this situation, and I've, I've, I've laid that out for the Lord. And while I, I still have you know, tensions of, of life, I could, there is a degree of peace that should come knowing I've given that to the Lord now. And I'm still going to exercise the wisdom that I've been praying for that he'll give me. And, uh, but th there should be a, a sense of deep-seated peace that doesn't just make all your circumstances go away, uh, but realizes that, hey, I am, I, am, I am using the means that God has given me to help uh, build his kingdom and to take my needs to him in a biblical way. Yeah. You know, trials and tribulations happen in life. We're to count it all joy. Uh, but they happen so that we'll call out to God. Whatever it is, we have to call out to him. We call out to him. He answers according to his will. 
then we in turn glorify God and bring praises to him. And so it's all part of this process of how God is glorifying his name mm. through the trials, through the things that happen. And it produces a thankful heart. We can thank him for the trial because it made me, forced me, like David did, to call out to God for deliverance and then to be thankful for his deliverance. God is glorified. And as, as uh, the sermon pointed out this morning, his people are blessed too. And that was part of the prayer that he had, that God's people would be blessed in mm -hmm. seeing that. So when trouble happens in your life and in my life, we call out to God, God answers. We give praise to him and acknowledge that. And we're encouraged. God's name's glorified. And uh, don't, it's not oversimplistic because the trials are hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that, uh, that Daniel um, talked about the tense of... Uh, Psalm 3, so the, the, this what was called the perfect in confidence tense. Uh, I, I had never heard that. Maybe I, um, uh, I should have, but the, uh, the idea behind that being that um, David is praying for mm -hmm. something to happen as though it has already happened. So there's yeah. this, this pure confidence that God uh, will fulfill uh, the, his promises yes. to David. So I just I, I found that very... Um, very helpful for me and how I and uh, how I pray. So do you guys have anything to, to add? I think that you really hit on it there that confidence comes because of the promises. David knew the covenant. Mm -hmm. He knew that God had promised that not only himself but his heir would sit on and the Messiah was going to come. He knew that. Yeah. And so it produces what you just said. Yeah. That confident praying. All right. Well I think we'll we'll end there. Uh, next week, church, we will be back in First Peter. Uh, Kyle will be back preaching. Um, we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to this resource of Faith Family Church. We gather on Sundays at 495 Hugh Hunter Road in Oak Grove, Kentucky, and are a short drive from Fort Campbell and Hopkinsville, Kentucky, as well as Clarksville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website, myfaithfamilychurch.com.